Andrew Womack Ministries presents this session from the 2013 Toronto Gospel Truth Rally. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. Well, you can be turning in your Bibles over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to give them just a few more minutes to receive the offering. But I'm going to be ministering from 2 Corinthians starting with chapter 4. You know, the most important thing you'll ever do in your life is get your mind renewed by the Word of God. That's the key to everything. In your spirit, you're already perfect. This is kind of the basis of that book. You've already got it, so quit trying to get it. You've already got everything. Your spirit is as perfect right now as it will ever be in eternity. Your spirit's not going to get any more. You've got all of the power of God, all of the healing, all of the mind of Christ, the joy, peace, everything. But people say that's not so. And the reason people struggle with understanding this is because most of us only live in this physical realm. We only acknowledge what you can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. But I'm telling you that there is another world out there and also on the inside of you. There is a spiritual realm, and I could spend all night long proving this, but I'll just say it, and I'm going to move on from this in just a moment. But there is a spiritual world in here. There are demons in this room. There are angels in this room. And somebody says, well, I haven't seen them. That doesn't mean they aren't here. It just means that you aren't very spiritual. You're carnal. <laughs> the Bible teaches that there's always angels with us. I even know two of my angels' names. It says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Amen. I've got angels surrounding me right now, and so do you. And somebody says, well, you're just saying that. No, the Bible teaches this, that the angel of the Lord encamps round about those who love him. Second Kings chapter 6, Elisha had thousands of angels surrounding him. And the Bible says that in the New Testament, what we have made the Old Testament saints jealous. So if Elisha had thousands of angels around him, I've got thousands around me, you've got thousands around you, this place is crowded. There are thousands and thousands of spiritual beings in here. The Spirit of the Lord is here. And there's a lot of people who say, well, I didn't see it. And they talk back about, well, you know, there was a glory cloud in the Old Testament. And I, I don't know if you were around during this, but there was people that went through this phase where they wanted to see the glory cloud come into the meetings and they wanted gold dust to fall and all of these other things. Which, you know, if it happens, it happens. But Jesus never had gold dust in his meetings. Jesus never had a glory cloud in his meeting. Now, he did up on the Mount of Transfiguration, but it never happened in his meetings. Did you know by a lot of people's standards today, Jesus would have been a dud? He didn't have any of these things happen. See, people who are saying things like that, and they have to have all of these things, and see, it just shows how carnal you are. The word carnal, some people think that's just referring to an extreme sinfully, sinful person, but the word carnal just means of the five senses, are limited to your five senses. You're carnal if you don't believe anything exists except what you can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. That's carnal. You know, right now we're using a wireless microphone and the way that works, it broadcasts a signal and it's throwing signals through the air to the back where they've got a receiver that receives it and then puts it out over this sound system. You are listening to signals that you can't see. And there's not only this signal, there are television signals. There's radio signals in this room. There's lots of things going on in here. And if somebody says, well, there are not because I can't see it or hear it, that doesn't mean that they aren't here. It just means that you aren't very smart. <laughs> you think that if you can't see, taste, hear, smell, or feel it, it doesn't exist. And that is absolutely untrue. And in the spiritual realm, there's all kinds of things that exist that you can't see. And on the inside of you, there's things about you that are true that you can't feel. And when the Bible talks about that you've already got it, that you've got the same power that raised Christ from the dead, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, that you have the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, 
that you've already been healed, 1 Peter 2, 24, and on and on I could go. The Bible says these things. People see that, but then they look with their eyes, and because they can't see it, because they can't feel it, because the doctor's report doesn't say that they're healed, the bank doesn't say that they have money, they don't think anything has happened yet. But I'm telling you, in the Spirit, you've already got it. You've got the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And you've got to quit going by just your little peanut brain, and you've got to start listening to your heart and letting God speak to you and show you what you have in Christ. So that's what all of these scriptures that I'm going to be reading to you tonight are all talking about. Look at this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and in verse... Let me start reading with verse 17. He says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now see, most people just disconnect right here because... Paul says, we're looking at things that can't be seen. And most people think, this is so confusing. If you can't see it, then how can you look at it? You can see things with your heart. You can see better with your heart than you can see with your eyes. I could give you many, many, many examples of that. Man, there are things... You know, this whole building program that I was talking about, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but when we started this process four years ago, there was no evidence of anything. I didn't have enough money to do anything, but I felt like this is what God told me to do, and I've learned to discipline myself, and I've been looking at things in the Spirit. I have never asked God to give me money. I've not prayed for a penny, and yet we brought in an extra $29 million over the last three years. And this is in addition, we have a budget of about $2 million a month just to pay our normal bills, and in addition to all of that, we've added $29 million extra, and uh, it's all coming in, and I never asked for any money or anything because I'm just looking at God, and He keeps telling me He'll supply all of my needs, and I'm looking at that instead of what we don't have. Now, I'm aware of some of the facts, and I say things to let people know where they are so that they can be a part of it and stuff, but I'm just saying that, you know what? I've been walking by looking at things that can't be seen, and because of it, I'm seeing these needs supplied and I'm seeing God do this. And I'm seeing things differently than what it looks like in the natural. This is so hard for some people to get hold of. They think, well, man, you're just sitting there, you know, believing that something is true when it really isn't true. No, it is true. It's just not a physical truth. It's a spiritual truth. And spiritual things created this physical world. Did you know that God is a spirit? John 4, 24 says God is a spirit. And he created the physical world. Spirit created the physical. So spirit is the parent force. The parent is greater than anything it created. The spiritual realm existed before this physical realm. This physical realm is going to be done away with someday. And we are all going to exist as spirit beings with a glorified body. But the spirit never dies. It is eternal. It is more important than the physical. And I tell you, it's important that somebody says this because today our world is run by people who do not share this. They think that only what you can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel is real. They make fun of anybody who believes in something that can't be proven in a test tube. They think that you're weird. Well, I think they're weird. They're the weird ones. God made us as spirit beings. And the spirit is more important. And this is what Paul is talking about. The reason Paul was so successful is because he tells you right here, we aren't looking at things that can be seen. I'm not just walking with my own physical eyesight. I'm looking with my heart. I'm seeing by faith. This isn't weird. It's weird to the unbelievers. It's weird to our fallen world. But truthfully, the way God created man to be, this is normal, is to walk by faith and not by sight. The world that we live in today, brothers and sisters, is a corrupted, fallen world. And if you conform to their mindset, 
you will die. And I'm not talking about just ultimately die and go to heaven. I'm talking about you will experience depression, defeat, failure, poverty, all of these kind of things. Anything that came as a result of the fall is death. Much more than just the ceasing to breathe. But it's all of the sickness, all of the misery of this world. It comes when you just get carnally minded, when all you are is walking by your side. Paul said that we aren't just looking at things that can be seen. Everything that can be seen is temporal or temporary. It's subject to change. But the things which cannot be seen are eternal. The, the intangibles are more important than the physical things that you can see. Thank you for those few head nods. Some of you are thinking, well, this is just a little strange. That's the reason that you don't see the consistent power of God in your life is because it's abnormal for you to walk in the Spirit, to walk by faith, to see with your heart. But you can see better with your heart than you can see with your eyes. You can see clearer with your heart. You know, I won't take time to turn over there, but I just studied today Psalms chapter 73. And in Psalm 73, verses 1 through 12, Asaph is talking about the ungodly who prosper in their way and they don't have any pains in their death and that they are prosperous and stuff. And it sounds terrible. And he says, what, what advantage is there for serving God? I've denied myself and sought God for no purpose. And if you only take the first 12 verses of that psalm, it is really contrary to what the Bible teaches. And it looks, it's exactly the way most people think today. And it, he says that it was because he was only looking at things in the natural. Then in verse 13, he says, I entered into the sanctuary and I looked at God and considered things from his perspective. And he says, I was so foolish. I was so dumb. How could I think this way? And he began to start putting all of this so-called prosperity and success of the ungodly into context. And he started saying, in light of eternity, they are on a slippery slope. They are going to be destroyed. Surely their uh, habitation is not sure. And when you see things with your heart, when you see it through the eyes of God, you look at things differently. But sad to say the world, the ungodly, are the ones running all of our media and everything else, and we are plugged into it, and we accept their perspective, and it is the wrong perspective. We need to, be quit, we need to quit looking at things that can just be seen, and we need to start going by the Word of God, listening to our hearts, let the Spirit of God give us a proper perspective on things, and I guarantee you it would change your total outlook. It would change everything. So in uh, chapter 5, he begins to give an illustration of what he's talking about walking by faith. And he uses the illustration of, of death. And he's using the symbolism here talking about if our tabernacle were destroyed. He's using our body like a tent. And he said, this is just a tent, a place that I live in. But if something happened to this body... I know that I would immediately go to be with the Lord, that God has reserved another body for me, and God has this for me. Did you know that there is no proof of that? It always amuses me, these people that write in and try and show me that somebody has actually found Noah's Ark. You know, I held a piece of Noah's Ark in my hand when I was with Dr. Carl Ball. And the, anyway, th but there's people so excited. Oh, if we could prove that there was Noah's Ark, then everybody would believe. And what they're trying to do is that... People won't believe just because the Bible says so. But if we could find Noah's Ark, if we could prove this. I've had people talk about my son that was raised from the dead. Why don't you get all the doctor's reports? Why don't you go on television? Why don't you debate people? Why don't you show them that your son was raised from the dead after being dead for five hours? And these, what they're missing is the Bible didn't say that faith comes by hearing all of these scientific facts. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. Matter of fact, Jesus even said to the man who, uh, you know, wanted uh, Lazarus to go back and preach to his brothers. He had gone to hell and he says, send Lazarus back to preach to my brothers. And he says, they have the prophets, let them hear the prophets. And he says, they won't hear the prophets, but if somebody rose from the dead, then they would believe. And he said, if they don't believe Moses and the prophets, they will not believe though one rose from the dead. 
It is a wrong way of thinking to think that you can somehow or another argue a person into belief. Belief is something you have to embrace from your heart. Romans chapter 10, verse 10 says, For with the heart man believes unto righteousness. It comes from your heart, not from your head. You know, I feel in a sense like I'm just a lone voice crying out in such a large thing that it, it's getting overwhelmed. People don't listen to what I'm saying. Thank you. But you can't argue a person into anything. Back when I first started in ministry, I would argue with the person at the drop of a hat and drop my hat to get to argue. I thought I could just convince anybody. But I found out that a person has to choose to believe. You can harden yourself against this. But Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 20 reveal that there is an intuitive, God-given knowledge on the inside of every person. And it's like a homing device. God is constantly drawing every person who has ever drawn a breath on this planet to Himself. He created us with this desire, this hunger for God. You can go to any people group that has ever lived on the face of this planet and all of them believe in a God. All of them. Not some of them, all of them. 100% of every person, I don't care how remote they've been, they all believe in a God. Now Romans chapter 1 says that they perverted it and they changed it into idols and they've done all kinds of things, but it does show that God gives an intuitive knowledge of Himself to every single person. But we can get into these mind games and start walking in our own reasoning and exalting our own understanding. And as we do that, it deadens this witness that's on the inside. But everybody's got it. Everybody knows that there's a God. Everybody. Some of you right now are thinking, oh no, there's people that you know, are atheists and they've never been under any conviction. That's a lie based on Romans chapter 1. It says that everybody has had this witness against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of man so that they are without excuse. I've been in Vietnam and I've had atheists tell me there is no God. And I say, I know, you know that there's a God. Oh no, there is no God. And they tell me all that. And then the bombs get to dropping and the bullets get to flying and these atheists cried out to God at the top of their lungs. On a heart level, everybody knows that there's a God. And you know that there is more to life than what you can see or put in a test tube. But our society today is so opposite the other direction that you hear it so much. You can believe a lie so many times you begin to start thinking that way. But Paul here is showing how that he believes that there is going to be another body that if we die and lose this body, we're going to have a body from God and we will live forever in eternity. Did you know you can't prove that? No piece of Noah's Ark is going to make that so that you have no more doubt or fear about it. It's just something that you have to believe. Now, it's not a blind faith. It's based on the Word of God. The Word of God has much, much, much proof that it is real and accurate I'm not talking about just, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid and blindly believing whatever you're told, but I am saying that it, you have to believe from your heart, and we have to, from our heart, believe that God has another body and that w this life isn't all that there is. It takes an effort for us to focus on this when other people don't talk about it. When a person dies, they talk about it as if that's the end, and it's over, and the Bible says that's not true. You're going to have to keep... This is the reason it's so important to get in the Word of God and keep your nose in the Word of God because the Word of God will bring things up to you that you don't hear on the news and read in the papers and in the little novels and things like this. You've got to be in the Word of God. It'll change the way that you see and perceive things. And so he was talking about that it takes faith to believe that we have a body and that we are going to live forever in eternity with God. And then he said this in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and in verse 6, he says, Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. 
Man, that's a radical statement. And then he said in verse 7, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Did you know I could nearly say... Did I say that wrong, Jamie? Excuse me, what did I say? Well, it's not that way. All right. As long as you're home in the body, you are absent from the Lord. That's what it says. In other words, you aren't in communion with the Lord the way that you're going to be in eternity. There is a separation. As long as we are in this life, we are seeing through a glass darkly. But someday we are going to have this body and all the physical things removed and we will be with the Lord in a way that we can't even imagine right now. And then he says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. I could nearly say this without exception that nearly all Christians today walk by sight and not by faith. We've gotten to where if we can't see it, if we can't feel it, it didn't happen. I pray with people, and the first thing they do is say, well, I'm going to go to the doctor and see if I'm healed. <laughs> you just missed it. Somebody said, well, you're just supposed to believe that you're healed and ignore the physical realm. No, I'm not saying that you ignore it, but I'm saying that for you to not believe that anything has happened until a doctor tells you you're healed is carnal. I told, I don't know how many people here tonight, I said, you know what? It is not hard to get over your disease. I've seen every person that I prayed for tonight. We had ALS, multiple sclerosis, leukemia, I don't know, everything. Did you know I've seen every one of those things healed? It is not hard to heal a person to cancer. It's not hard to get blind eyes open. It's not hard to do any of that stuff. God isn't, he's not saying, Andrew, don't talk so big. <laughs> Man, there's two people in here in wheelchairs. I can't do that. The lights in heaven will dim. Do you know what? God is not straightened for power. He's not worried about me talking too big. It's not hard for God to do things. But what's hard is when a person is sick in their heart, sick in their mind, and in their emotions, they are discouraged and fearful. It's really hard to get them healed like that. But if you can get a person to where they just in their heart are free, I know I'm healed. I know I've got it. And it doesn't matter if you see it or not. You can get to a place that, you know, you want to get, you want a manifestation for other people. You know you're healed. You know, we've got DVDs out here of testimonies. We've got 20 testimonies now of people that have been raised from the dead in wheelchairs, multiple sclerosis healed, hearts that a little girl who was born with only half of a heart and no blood vessels going to her lungs, no rib, and within 24 hours was totally normal. She's now five years old. We've got all of these testimonies. And... Uh, we just got a new one out, and there's two children on there that were raised from the dead in this thing, and it's awesome. It's not hard for God to do that. But this one guy on there, his name is Mike Hesh. Some of you might have seen that, and he's a man that had a cancer on his breast, on his chest right here, and he, it was as big as both of my hands right here. It was so big he had to get a bra and cut one side out and wear a bra to hold this cancer up. And he took pictures of it for eight years. The doctors gave him so, such a hard time and scared him so bad, he decided he wouldn't go back to the doctors. So he just stood and believed. And he was, he was on his deathbed. And he got hold of this teaching on you've already got it. And he read that and it became a revelation to him that he was healed. And he started praising God that he was healed. And after he got this revelation and started praising God, they still had to change the bandages every day because this thing was oozing all kinds of stuff. And they just changed the bandages. But he didn't even care. His wife, Caroline, said that he got to a place that he didn't care. He never even paid attention to it. He never thought about it. He was so excited that he had been healed that he was just studying every day. And within, I think it was six months, I'm not sure the exact time, but somewhere around six months, that thing just shriveled up and dried off and fell off. And, and he's totally healed of it today. But there's a lot of people that see they would have prayed and then immediately look at this thing. And if they still have a problem, they say, why didn't God heal me? And it's not that God didn't heal you, but God gives everything he gives to you in the spirit first. 
And then it comes through your soul, that's the way you think, and manifests itself in the physical realm. And if you can't get your mind in agreement and believe that you receive when you pray, not when you see it, not when you feel it, not when the banker tells you, not when the person calls and says, we want to hire you, but you got to believe that you receive when you pray. You got to learn to walk by faith. If you can get it on the inside and believe it in your mind to the point that you remove this fear and doubt, it is just a matter of time until the physical realm will manifest that. Jesus spoke to the fig tree in Mark chapter 11 and cursed it. But did you know that the fig tree didn't look any different? There was no difference whatsoever. It was the next day, 24 hours later, that Jesus and his disciples came walking by. And Peter noticed the fig tree and he says, Lord, the fig tree that you cursed is withered away. And Jesus said, have faith in God. For whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. And then in Mark eleven twenty four, he says, Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive, and you shall, future tense, have it. You have to believe you receive it now, and then you shall, future tense, have it. And some people think, well, how can I believe I have it when I don't have it? It's, again, that shows that you're carnal. You think all there is to you is this physical body and this physical realm. And so if you can't see it, if the doctor can't prove it, if the banker can't see it, then nothing has happened. I'm telling you, God moves in the spirit realm long before you see it manifest in the physical realm. And you've got to believe that the moment you prayed, man, that the power of God is there, that you've got it. You're healed. You're prospered. God has answered your prayer. And then it's just a matter of time. It could be 24 hours or 24 days, but it's a matter of time until you will see a physical manifestation if you believe in your heart and doubt not. You know, I've given this illustration a lot. Some of you might have heard it, but it's a great illustration of it about a woman who was nearly blind, legally blind. She had these big old glasses that were so thick, it really... She, she could just barely see even with these glasses. She was a pastor's wife, and there was a healing evangelist that was coming to their church. And she knew that he was going to want to pray for her. But she didn't want prayer. She'd been prayed for before, and she'd been disappointed. And every time somebody prayed, nothing happened. So she tried to avoid him. And it was obvious that she was avoiding this healing evangelist. So it was just about the end of the meeting, this guy cornered her, and he says, I want to pray for you. And so she said, okay. And he had her take off her glasses. And then he prayed for her. And he says, now can you see? So she started to open her eyes. And he said, shut your eyes. So she shut her eyes real quick. And she was wondering about how can I tell if I can see if I can't open my eyes. And so he said a second time, he says, now can you see? And so she started to open her eyes. And he said, shut your eyes. And she shut her eyes wondering, what's he doing? And the third time, he says, now can you see? And she started to open her eyes. And he said, I didn't tell you to open your eyes. You've got to see with your heart that you can see before you can see with your eyes. And she finally got it. Basically, this is what this verse is saying. You have to walk by faith and not by sight. You've got to believe that you receive when you pray. Not when you see, but when you pray, and then you will in the future see it. So this woman finally kept her eyes closed and just started praying in tongues and worshiping the Lord. She did that for a few minutes, and finally she says, I've got it. I can see. And he says, now, open your eyes. And she opened her eyes, and her eyes were healed. But see, there's many people that they just pray for something, and then immediately they open their eyes to see if anything's changed. They go to the doctor to see, am I healed? They go to the bank. Did somebody deposit money in my account? 
They search their feelings to see if the depression is gone or if this... And, and they go just by these carnal things. They aren't walking by faith. They're walking by sight. And then they say, well, it didn't work. This faith stuff doesn't work. It says right here that we walk by faith and not by sight. Walking by sight is not faith. And there's a balance here because this doesn't mean that you just put your head in the sand and ignore everything physical. But it means that you deal with the things that look contrary to your faith from a faith perspective instead of from an unbelief perspective. You know, I've prayed with, I don't know, certainly thousands, maybe tens of thousands of people. I've seen one person just instantly manifest a healing and the person next to them not receive a thing. And that's not God who does that. There's a lot of... Th I don't even understand all of the reasons for it, but a lot of it has to do with the way we receive. There's some people that are just open and receive instantly. There's other people it takes a period of time. And the point that I was going to make is I prayed with a lot of people and seen them instantly healed. And yet they come back to me later and say, I lost my healing or it came back on me or something like that and they want me to pray for them again and they wonder what's wrong. And I often tell people, I said, look, the devil knows that I believe what I say. And when I speak and command something to happen, I believe it and so the devil leaves, pain leaves, sickness leaves. But I said, when you get by yourself, then Satan comes back and hits you with something to see what you believe. And there's a lot of people that as long as they don't have any symptoms or anything that looks contrary to what they pray, well, then they believe that they're healed. But let there be the slightest little thing go wrong and immediately they're quick to say, oh, I lost it or oh, I never was healed. And I tell people it's not that at all. It's just like the devil knocking on the door. He's just knocking on the door and seeing how you're going to respond. And if you have a pain come back and you say, oh, no, I wasn't healed, then you just opened up the door and let it in. But if you would stand on what the Word says, walk by faith and not by sight, and say that the gifts and the callings of God, Romans eleven twenty nine, are without repentance, that means that if you were ever healed for one millisecond, if the pain ever left for a second, if you ever improved any at all, then the healing power of God was in you, and God never took it back. But what happened is Satan can give you a pain, Satan can put something on you for a brief period of time and all you've got to do is say, no, the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. I don't care what I feel like. I don't care what it looks like. God's Word promises this and you believe it. And if you do that, then you shall see the manifestation of it. But you've got to believe in your heart first. You've got to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. Man, those are powerful, powerful statements. And he just continues to say this right on down through this chapter. Let me jump down to verse 16, 2 Corinthians 5, 16. It says, Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. This is the uh, King James and this is Old English and it's kind of wordy, but he's just basically saying that because of all of these things, we walk by faith and not by sight. We don't know Christ after the flesh anymore. At one time we did know Christ after the flesh, but now we don't know him that way anymore. Nobody in here can say this because all of us were born after Jesus had finished his earthly ministry and had been caught up into heaven. But these people actually saw Jesus in the flesh. These people saw him with their physical eyes. They heard him with their physical ears. They could touch him. They could tell you what he looked like. None of us have ever been through this, but these people could. And at one time, they only knew him by these physical things. But he says, now we don't know him that way anymore. They had to transition from knowing him by their sense knowledge to knowing him by their heart. You know, I've just right now laid a foundation that I could really preach some good stuff. Amen. 
but uh, the heart can't absorb more than the seat can endure, so I'm not going to do all of that. But let me just quickly summarize some things here. Did you know that there are, I forget the exact number, but there's like four, I think it's 14, somewhere around 14 resurrection of Jesus uh, in, the, in the Gospels. 14 different times. And sometimes it's subtle, you have to look for it, but every single time that Jesus appeared to his disciples, they didn't recognize him. Now, you can miss that if you aren't looking for it. Let me just give you one or two instances of this. Look in Matthew chapter 28. This is real obvious. Matthew chapter 28. And in verse 16, Matthew 28, 16, it says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Some who? Some of the eleven? Jesus had twelve apostles. Peter, James, and John, Bartholomew, Andrew, all of those. Those were his disciples. One of them, Judas, betrayed him and went and hung himself. That only left 11. And some of these 11 men that had been with Jesus day and night for three and a half years saw him in a resurrected body and they worshipped him, but some of these 11 doubted. Somebody says, how could you doubt? Here was the resurrected Jesus in front of you. He even said in, in uh, John chapter 20, he says, touch me, feel me. It says a spirit doesn't have flesh and bone as you see me have. He was physical. He was tangible. He told uh, Thomas, put your finger into the print of the nails and thrust your hand into my side. Jesus was in a physical body standing in front of him. They had been with him every day for three and a half years and they didn't recognize him. That's amazing. In the 24th chapter of the book of Luke, I won't take time to turn over there, but two disciples on resurrection day were walking to Emmaus and they were talking about Jesus and were sad because they had heard the report that he was risen from the dead and they just couldn't believe it. And they were talking about it. And as they talked, Jesus himself drew near to them and walked with them from Jerusalem to Emmaus, seven miles. You know, if you walk at a normal pace, that's at least two hours. Two hours they walked and talked with him and they didn't recognize him. And he made as though he was going to go on and they said, no, come in and eat with us. And as he broke bread, they recognized him not because of his facial features, but because of his heart. They remembered that just three days before he had broken bread and said, this is my body. And they recognized him in communion. They recognized him in the way he was ministering unto him, not by physical features. How could this be? In Mark chapter 16, verse 12, it gives the exact same instance, but it just summarizes it in one verse, and it says, Jesus appeared unto two of them as they walked into the country in another form. What did that mean? That didn't mean that he looked different because, again, he said, look at the print of the nails. He still had the same body and bore the same scars. But the key to understanding this is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Jesus was in a spiritual body. It was physical, it was tangible, you could touch it, but it was spiritual. And you can't discern spiritual things with your carnal mind. They only knew Jesus after the flesh. They, had only known, they could have told you what color his eyes were. They could have told you how tall he was. They could have told you what he smelled like. They could have told you all kinds of things about him. They knew him in the natural through carnal things, but they didn't know him by their heart. And after his resurrection, the only way you could know him was through the Spirit. 
They had been so used to walking in the flesh, in the carnal realm, that they couldn't operate in the spirit. And brothers and sisters, sad to say, that's where the vast majority of us as Christians are. We are so dominated by our carnal sight and thoughts that we don't listen to our heart and we don't let God speak to us. We lean unto our own understanding. We let the logic of this world dictate to us. And in your heart, you know different. You know, tonight I said, how many of you, if you didn't have any restrictions, if you just did what you wanted to do, how many of you would love to come to Bible school? And man, hundreds of hands went up. And again, I, I stress that that's not the devil. Somebody says, well, I just don't know if that's God. Would the devil lead you to go to Bible school and renew your mind? Would your carnal self lead you to do this? I guarantee you, if you have the desire to do it, it's not the devil or your flesh that put it there. It's God drawing you. And yet most of us will not do what's in our heart because we let our mind and circumstances overtake us. We've had people before say things like, well, I got two dogs. I can't come to Bible college. <laughs> you can bring dogs to Colorado Springs. What? It doesn't make sense. I told them, just kill them. Now, all of you dog, I love dogs. I've had dogs. I, it was a joke, all right? But I'm saying, if you felt that God Almighty spoke to you and told you to come to Bible college, why would you let two dogs get in between you and God's destiny? You are carnal. Does that mean it's sin to have a dog, to love a dog? Man, I've cried over some of my dogs dying more than I've cried over people in my church dying. <laughs> I love dogs. I'm not against people that love dogs. I'm just saying you're carnal. You're, your priorities are way out of whack if you're going to let a dog or a fish or a cat keep you from doing what God told you to do. I've had people come to me before and say things like, man, I know God spoke to me and told me to come to Bible college, but... And then they'll tell me about their job. They'll tell me about their parents. They'll tell me about their wife, about their children. It's only five years until I retire, and this and this. And, and they tell me, and they just sit there and rattle on for 20 or 30 minutes, and then they say, what do you think? And I said, you lost me the moment you said God told you to do it. I said, if God told you to do it, just do it. And if it hair lips every devil in hell, just do it. Just do it. I had one guy say, but I live on the street. I said, we got streets in Colorado Springs. <laughs> I had one say, I sleep under a bridge. I said, we got bridges in Colorado Springs. <laughs> Most people don't go by what's in their heart. There are some of you that hate your job. You hate it. You hate what you're doing. You talk about Blue Monday and then TGIF. Man, thank God it's Friday. You don't like what you're doing, but you got money coming in and you are selling your soul to the devil because you got to keep food on the table. Man, you need to do what God has called you to do and put in your heart. If you aren't excited about what you're doing, you're missing God. You need to do something different. And yet people lean under their understanding. They have something going. I've had people before say, but I'm on welfare. And I say, go get a job. Well, I can make more money on welfare than I can. <laughs> but what you're missing is the Bible says, God had blessed what you set your hand unto. You go out and work for McDonald's. Maybe you don't make as much money as you make on welfare, but God can bless that. God can't bless welfare. He'll never give you a welfare raise. He'll never double your welfare unto you. You'd be better off to get off welfare and go do something and put your hand to something and begin to prosper and follow the things of God. But see, most people... I just don't think that's wisdom. You're leaning under your own understanding instead of what the Word says. The Bible says, in all labor there is profit, but in the talk of the lips it tends to nothing but penury, poverty. You need to get out and do something. 
He said he'd bless what you set your hands unto. A hundred times zero is zero. But a hundred times one is a hundred. Go do something. But see, we lean unto our own understanding. We have been taught to operate out of our brain instead of out of our head. Again, I'm not saying not to use your brain, but it ought to be inspired and dictated and controlled by your heart and what you believe in your heart. It ought to be more important to you than what you see. This is the reason that these disciples couldn't recognize Jesus in His resurrected form because they were only carnal. They didn't perceive Him by the Spirit. In the 21st chapter of the book of John, after the resurrection, Jesus went and appeared and they were fishing one night. And He stood on the shore and He said, Children, do you have any meat? And they said, We fished all night long and didn't catch anything. And He says, Cast your net on the other side of the boat. And when they did... They caught so many fish, their, their nets began to break, their boat began to sink. And John said to Peter, it's the Lord. And Peter threw himself into the water, swam to the shore, drew all of these fish. And when they got there, Jesus already had a fire and fish baked on the coals. And they were sitting there looking at Jesus face to face. They already had recognized it was him because this same thing happened in Luke chapter 5 at the very beginning of his ministry. He told them to cast the net on the other side and they caught so many fish. So they recognized that this was the same thing. They recognized him by what went on, not by sight. And as they looked across the campfire at Jesus, it says in John chapter 21, none of them dared to ask him who he was because they knew it was Jesus. Why would they even put that in there? You know, if you came up to me tonight, and if you watch me every day on television, and then you come up and say, well, I'm not even going to dare to ask you who you are. <laughs> We'd think something's wrong with you. If you know me, you wouldn't have to ask who I am. Why did they even put it in there that nobody would dare to ask him? Because they couldn't recognize him. Even though he still looked the same, and it says he had the print of the nails, he had the scars in his forehead, he still looked the same, but they couldn't recognize him because he had to be discerned by the heart and not by the head. You've got to walk by faith and not by sight. And brothers and sisters, this is why so many of us are just missing God on our everyday lives and not enjoying the benefit of our salvation is because we are just so carnal. Scripture says in Psalms 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. And you know, one, there's probably multiple meanings to that verse, but one of those things is that a few years back I had a dream, and in this dream... I saw in big letters going across like this, Psalms 46.10. And even though I've quoted that verse a thousand times, I for the life of me could not think of what Psalms 46.10 said. So when I woke up, I turned, opened my Bible and found that verse, Be still and know that I am God. And I felt like God was speaking that to me specifically. And so that day, it was in the summer a couple of years ago, I just decided, I didn't know exactly what being still meant, but I was going to just be physically still, just in case that's what it meant. <laughs> and I went out and sat on my deck outside in a chair, and for over an hour, I think it was an hour and a half, all I did was blink. <laughs> I didn't move. I didn't do anything. I was so still that I had a deer walk right up and stick their nose right up to me. You know, deer have real poor eyesight, and if you're upwind from them, they can't really tell you're there. And I mean, they could see me, but they, anyway, came up and nearly stuck their nose up to mine. And I just sat there. And you know, some of the things that happened was that I realized I could hear birds. It's, I live way out in the country. You can't see another person's house from my house. And you could hear the birds fly by. Like that. You could hear the wind blowing in the tree. We had dozens and dozens and dozens of chipmunks. They came and they sat on my feet and climbed up my leg. And I know we had thousands of ants. There were ants everywhere. 
And there was just all kinds of things going on around me. And you know what I learned out of that was that that's always going on. But when I'm busy, it had been, it had been maybe months or a year since I had heard the wind. I mean, the wind's always blowing through the trees, but I never paid attention to it. I just ignored it. And there were always these deer around. I feed the deer out of my hands. But you know what? I just hadn't, I hadn't seen things. I observed all kinds of things going on around me that I didn't even know were going on. And brothers and sisters, we live in such a busy world. We are just so bombarded that God is speaking to us every minute of every day. John chapter 10 says, My sheep hear my voice. If you are truly born again, God is speaking to you and you hear His voice. But it just gets drowned out by all of the other voices and all of the busyness and all of the stuff that we've got going on. And sometimes you have to be still and retune yourself to that still, small voice of God. But God is speaking to you. Your heart is speaking to you. I bet every person in here at some time or another has been faced with some kind of a decision and you go back and forth, you make a decision, and it turns out to be the wrong one, and you come back and say, I knew I wasn't supposed to do that. You know what you're saying? God was speaking to you, and your heart was leading you, but you leaned under your own understanding. You let circumstances or public opinion or something else direct you, but in your heart, in your knower, you knew that there was something different, and yet very few of us walk by faith we tend to always walk by sight. We tend to always do what is expected of us and all of this. And I'm telling you, the world is not representing things properly. This world is being led to hell. And sad to say, most of us are plugged into the same thing, hearing the same voices, and it's hindering us following the leadership of the Lord. But God is speaking to you. And every one of us, this isn't something that's hard to come by. But it does take discipline. You have to unplug from this world. It takes focus upon the things of God. You know, this is, there's multiple reasons, but this is one of the big reasons that when people come to our Bible school, they come in one way and they leave a different way. They're changed every time. And you know why? Because they are focused on the things of God. They spend time. It, some people say, well, I don't have a lot of quantity of time, but I have quality time. You need quantity time. You need quantity. You need lots of time that you just sit at His feet and listen. You can't compress God into your busy lifestyle and give Him five minutes or ten minutes and think that that's going to suffice. We've got to make God the fo focus of everything. And when people do this in Bible school, it changes their life. People get totally transformed. The people who run our Bible school in Uganda right now, Mary um, Lenz, when she came to school, was in a wheelchair. By Christmas, she was on a cane or on a walker. And by the end of the first year, she was using a cane. In the, end of, in the first, second year, she went on a missions trip and she threw her cane away and walked and kept up with everybody. And now she runs our Bible school and she climbs six flights of stairs every day, up and down. And I tell you, it's because the Word of God changed people's lives. You know, in a way, I'm preaching to the choir because you're the ones that came out on a Thursday night to hear a hick from Texas talk. You're committed to the Word. You're fanatics, man. You are hungry for the things of God. But I believe all of us can do better. All of us are more influenced by this world than what we would like to admit. And I just want to encourage you that if you're going to be like Paul and experience the success he has, you're going to get to where you have to walk by faith and not by sight. You have to listen to your heart. You have to let that still, small voice lead you. You need to see things on the inside before you see them on the outside and get to where that's enough. God has spoken to you. You've got it in your heart. You know you've got it, and it doesn't matter to you when the flesh lines up. You've already got it in your heart. That is a normal Christian life. 
You know, let me share one last example with you, and I'll quit, maybe, with this. Here's my last example. But, you know, we were at a meeting in Colorado Springs for our Bible college, and there was a center aisle down the aisle, and we had about two, 300 people or so in this uh, auditorium, and Jamie was up praising the Lord, singing hallelujah, and I mean the presence of God was just powerful, and we were worshiping God. And as I stood right there, I had my eyes closed, but in my heart, I saw the Lord walk in these doors. There were two double doors over on this side, and they had these real strong springs on them that when you open them, they close slowly. And anyway, I had my eyes closed, but in my heart, I just saw the Lord walk in those doors and stand in front of them, and then the doors just slowly closed behind him. And then there were these friends of mine over here on the front row from Chicago and Indiana, and he walked over and touched one on the head, and this woman just fell on her face flat like that with her arms out like this, just worshiping the Lord. And then there was two people in between them, and, and the Lord walked past them and touched this other woman on the head, and she fell to her knees and put her hands up like this and just began to start worshiping the Lord. And it was so real to me what I was seeing in my heart that I actually opened up my eyes to see what I could see with my eyes. And David was sitting here next to me, and he saw this. Later, he heard me tell this story, and he said he noticed the exact same thing. I looked over there, and all of a sudden, those doors just flew open like that, but nobody was there. And then they just slowly closed. And then this first woman just fell flat on her face with her arms out like this. Then two people down, the other woman just fell to her knees and put her hands up in the air. And you know what? Everything I was seeing in my heart was happening in the physical, except I could only see the physical. I couldn't see Jesus. And because of that, I actually closed my eyes and went back to seeing with my heart because I could see better with my heart than I could see with my eyes. I could see it in advance, and I could not only see what was happening in the physical, I could see what was happening in the spiritual. And when I closed my eyes the second time, the Lord came over and spoke some things to me. And then he walked down this center aisle and just started talking to different people and speaking to them. And I heard what he was telling every one of them. And after the meeting was over, I went up to him and I said, what did the Lord do to you in this meeting? And they started telling me what the Lord had spoken to them. And it was exactly what I heard God tell them. It was awesome. And I don't believe that's meant to be an unusual occurrence. This is how we ought to live as Christians. But sad to say, we only tune in every once in a while. The service has to be just right. The music has to be just perfect to get us in the right mood and all of this kind of stuff. You can live on that level. You can get to where you walk by faith and not by sight to where you look at things that can't be seen. Because everything that can be seen is just temporary. But the things that can't be seen, those are eternal. That's what's really important. I'm telling you, we just aren't walking with the Lord and receiving near the benefit that we should. But we can. I tell you, God loves every one of you. The Lord wants to speak to every one of you. I believe all the time, every day, but the voice is being drowned out by the voice of others, by our own reasoning, our own understanding. And we've got to counter it by the Word of God. Go to the Word of God. And man, when something that is said in the Word of God conflicts with your thinking, it's your thinking that's wrong. Change your thinking and start tuning yourself to hear and think the way that the Word of God says. And you'll begin to start having a relationship with God that will literally transform you. You know, if every one of us could hear the voice of the Lord clearly, there, there is no obstacle that stands between you and prosperity, you and healing, you and joy, you and anointing, you and being used of God. There is nothing in your life that would be held back from you if you could just clearly hear the voice of God. And you can. But it takes time. It takes practice. It takes being still and knowing that He's God. It takes renewing of your mind. 
We can't fit God into our lifestyle. We have to change our lifestyle to match up with God. Amen? Amen. I said that was the last story, but here's another really good story. (laughs) Paul said this. Paul said, finally, brethren, and preached three more chapters. But there was a man in India named Sadhu Sundar Singh. Sadhu is the name for a holy man. And I read this man's book back 40-something years ago. And he, he lived back in 1910 or something, and he scheduled a year's worth of meetings in the U.S. because you had to come over by boat, and it was a, like a two-month trip or whatever. And so uh, he scheduled a year's worth of meetings. And when he got off the boat in New York City in 1910, he spent 30 minutes walking around New York City and got back on the boat, canceled all of his engagements, and went back to India. And they asked him, why would you do that? And he said, these people are too busy. They will never listen to God. And this man was just somebody, well, he was wrong. Well, he was so wrong, he saw over 20-something people raised from the dead in one day. He saw hundreds of people raised from the dead. He would go into a city and empty the morgues of every dead person in it to draw a crowd. I'm telling you, there is nothing wrong with God speaking, but He speaks in a still, small voice, and He's not going to shout over your TV and over all of the other things that we've got going. It takes some time to tune in to God, but you can do it. You can walk by faith. God wants you to. Amen? Amen. Father, I pray for all my brothers and sisters in here, and we just ask that you would help sensitize us, tune our hearts and our ears so that we could hear your voice. Father, we believe that you are speaking. I believe that every person in here, you are speaking to us constantly. And Father, forgive us for drowning out your voice, for not following it, for leaning unto our own understanding. And Father, we want to be led by you. Right now, we just repent of this. We ask that, Father, you would help us to make adjustments. I believe that right now, the Holy Spirit is speaking to people in this place and showing us things that we do that drowned out your voice and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Father, show us ways that we can begin to start walking by faith and not by sight. And Father, we will start looking at the things that can't be seen. I believe that your Holy Spirit is speaking to people right now. There are people in here that when I was talking about you hate your job. Not everybody in here who hates their job needs to quit their job. Sometimes you just got a bad attitude and you need to get to thinking properly. God's got you in a place and you just need to see it differently and God will bless you and prosper you. But there are some of you in here that it's the reason you hate your job is because you aren't doing what God has told you to do. You're doing what circumstances have dictated. Maybe family forced you to do. But you've got dreams in your heart that you've never lived. You've never indulged them. God has spoken to you tonight. God is just reinforcing what you already felt in your heart, but it's being amplified through me. He's speaking through me to you through a gift of the Holy Spirit and telling you that you're wasting your life. You need to do what God told you to do. Don't worry about the outcome. Do it. That's a word from God for a number of people in here tonight. You just need to take a step of faith and launch out and do it. Head in that direction. Father, I believe that you're helping people to follow through with that. Thank you, Jesus. There's some people in here that you feel in your heart that God has called you to the ministry. And yet you are looking at all of the things that disqualify you. You're saying that you aren't good in front of people. And just on and on it goes. But in your heart, you know that that's what you really want to do. God is speaking to you right now that you need to quit leaning under your own understanding and you just need to yield 
and commit yourself to doing what God has told you to do. It'll be different than what you're anticipating because you're thinking of trying to do this in your own power. But it's not your power. God will supernaturally anoint you. The way you're thinking about it is all wrong. Quit leaning under your own understanding and just follow the Lord and do what He's put in your heart. Submit yourself and say, I receive it. I'm called right now and I respond to that calling. Thank you, Jesus. I believe there's lots of people that God's speaking to right now. We hope your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. It's the faithful support of people just like you who make this ministry possible. We invite you to prayerfully consider becoming a partner with Andrew Womack Ministries. You can call our helpline at 719-635-1111. Or you can write us at Post Office Box 3333, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80934. Remember, you can always listen to Andrew's messages at awmi.net. Until next time, we pray that you'll reach out by faith and receive everything that's yours through God's grace.